Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Gotta be a little bit more careful. I know. The last recording you just screamed out your window. I know. I was Got pretty a dog great. barking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh, here we man. are talking about a really cool one today, I'd say. We are, but first, I also want to give a quick shout out. We got Hot Mickey hanging out in the background here. Might be jumping in with some fun facts. Hot Mickey, how's it going? What up, everyone? It's going pretty well. Hot as always. Love it. That's right. Jumping in um, uh, in the producer role here. So, you know, it's been it's been great having a third voice. And just, just for that color commentary and a little bit of yelling, Mickey likes to yell a little bit. Please don't do it right now. You don't have to yell right now. <laughs> that was but, nice. Okay, that was good. That was good. Wait, um, you could stay muted now. You have to stay <laughs> muted. Stay, no, no, he's yelling again. Just stay. You could stay muted. Had, it's good. I'm just gonna. I was just gonna say he had some vibrato in that. Actually, yeah. no, that was good. Maybe I he would can um, do the Yelp sometime. Yeah, Mickey, you should explore. You should on, uh, on your own uh, time, uh, not uh, now. Am I you should explore now? that some more. <laughs> um, man, oh man, but we got a fun one today. But first, I just got to talk about Lucas. Um, I was really feeling confident in my cooking ability lately and i don't know why i've always been too lazy you, you, you know me i like to meal prep a lot mm-hmm. uh, just out of convenience for the week and i've always just kind of held off on making any attempt to make a like chipotle chicken like copycat basically okay just because i was too i don't know why but for some reason the concept of having to like make my own marinade with adobo peppers was just like i couldn't even fathom it <laughs> But I finally, I finally bit the bullet, and I made a homemade marinade with some adobo peppers and everything, and some ancho chili uh, pepper. And I think I put in too many adobo. It's good. First, let me state that it is very good. And I made like my own, like basically, like I basically made chipotle for a week. It's really good, actually. I'm really happy that it turned out. But I think I used either too much of the ancho chili powder or too much of the adobe peppers because mm-hmm. it is so hot. It's super <laughs> spicy. Wait, what peppers am, are what? What are they called? What are you calling them? Chipotle adobo, right? I think chipotle that's... adobo. Well, the only thing I know for adobo that's like a Filipino like food dish. So yeah, so it's you... chipotle deber- peppers, and they're like in a can, and then they're stored in adobo sauce. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know they had those. That sounds very delicious, actually. Yeah, I know the flavor is really good. And I mean, it, it tastes, I'll put a little, uh, little, little thing in the Discord here. So yeah, you put the recipe in the Discord, but I, I do enjoy the Chipotle chicken. Yeah, they're, and the, mm. the peppers are really good. The flavor is really good. But yeah, I just did a little too much, I think. And I'm like suff- suffering through my meals, but even though it tastes great. It's just like, like downing water while I drink them. It is just a struggle. Just but, sweating. Um, Love I, it. I, I Literally. Did this, I did the same thing. Like when I first started cooking, I uh, overdid on the Cajun powder on when I was seasoning mm. my chicken. It's so and easy to do that. And I was just like burning my I was like, oh my God, it's so good. But God damn it. This is way too much. <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. happens. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, um, man. Oh man. You know, speaking of hot, mm-hmm. you know what's hot? The Me? art style. Hot Mickey, yes. The art style in this game that we're going to talk about today. Matt, what are we talking about today? Oh, man, Lucas. See, the thing is, I'd love to tell everyone, but first I have to mention everyone. Don't forget to uh, join the Discord. You can find the Discord uh, on our website, thanksforplaying.live, or you can join, uh, find us on social media 
at TFP Podcast. That's at TFP Podcast with an S at the end. Uh, if you go into the link tree on any of the social media handles on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram, you can go ahead and find a link to join our Discord. Coming out the Discord, it's the best way to hang out with both myself and Lucas and just chat with all of us in real time and Hot Mickey as well. Coming out, it's a good time. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the podcast. You know, we love meeting more of you uh, virtually, maybe, maybe IRL one day. And uh, we love just getting more people involved in the community. We have a good time in there. And yeah, come hang out. It's a good time. And um, spread the uh, the TFP TFP love. Um, all, right. all right. End, end self-promo. Oh, man, everyone. Today, that is right, today, we are talking about the number one badass child simulator. What I went with. Okay. Bastion. That's right. The 2011 isometric action RPG Indie Darling by Supergiant Games. 9 out of 10 from IGN, 9.25 on Game Informer. 8.5 on GameSpot and an overall 86 out of 100 on Metacritic for the Xbox 360 release, which is uh, what I'm going with because that's when the game was released and the platform mm-hmm, it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, Bastion was and is a super notable indie game for the time. You know, people forget 2011. You know, indie gaming was not really at this level that it, it is at now or really what it's been at in Throughout the 2010s, Bastion was one of the really great examples of solid indie gaming. Obviously, what is now considered a legendary developer, Supergiant Games, uh, most notably had a game of the year two years ago called Hades. Not sure if you guys have heard of it. This was their very first game in 2011 made by a team of seven people, Bastion. Uh, Mm Really, really uh, interesting game. Really great to go back to and play. I think for nothing else, um, we'll get into it here. Uh, well, should we do synopsis or you want to jump to initial thoughts? I mean, there's not, I don't know. There's yeah, not yeah. I'll give a but... little brief synopsis. And just a little bit more about the developers. So it was originally, um, Supergiant was found by Amir Rao and Gavin uh, Simon in 2009. They had previously worked at EA together on the Command and Conquer series. And then, yeah, they just kind of decided the... Just, they just made the jump into their own <laughs> solo games. Then we got bashed in a whole other slew of awesome games. But yeah, we'll give a quick little summary here and then uh, of Bash in case anyone's not familiar with it. And then we'll we'll get into it. And as always, I always do my best to keep these summaries I write up here as, you know, uh, spoiler light as possible. But without a doubt, as the game goes on, we, we surely will dive into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. Um, All righty here. So Bastion. In the aftermath of the catastrophic events known simply as the Calamity, the player takes control of the kid, a silent protagonist. The kid makes his way to the Bastion, a uh, safe haven of sorts, where he meets Rux, a survivor and the game's narrator, who instructs him to collect the cores that once powered their former city, Caledonia. So begins the kid's journey to find the cores, power the Bastion. Great synopsis. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty simple there. Now, I know we don't have, and we we should really sanction this very soon here, Matt, but we don't really have a section in our podcast format for like story and setting, um, yeah. world, world story, setting, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I do want to say, you know, this game is sort of like a, it's sort of Western style 
um, where there's like this really, really cool narrator that's kind of going through the whole game, like narrating a lot of things that you do. Pretty much every action that you take in the game is narrated by this really badass sounding narrator who kind of sounds like he's telling like a campfire story on the frontier or something. That's the vibe I would give to like the raspiness and sort of the maturity of the, of the narrator's voice. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great stuff in terms of like acoustic guitar. It's sort of described as like frontier trip hop, uh, acoustic, frontier acoustic trip hop is actually what the composer described it as more on that in the sound, uh, design of the game. But I do want to mention, you know, the setting of the game and the story, um, is really, really unique. Um, and I just want to kind of layer that out up front is like one of the main components of the game is that it is, it does feel like you're playing through this cool, magical Western themed narrated story. Um, so the style of the game is really unique. Um, it's really unlike a lot of other adventure games that I've played. Yeah. You know, it, it does have a unique style, but Lucas, I'd love to know a little bit more. What did, what, what was your overall thoughts on the story? And yeah. Like how it was told within the game. Yeah. I think the story was really bottom heavy for sure. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of plot development, character development or anything. In fact, I thought that it was going to really lean into having, a really abstract, vague story. You know, some games, it, it's not a not a big deal, but like, you know, Hyperlight Drifter, for instance, you don't really expect to ever get a full picture when you're playing that game. You're like kind of mm -hmm. expected to put a lot of things together. You know, if you play any Souls-like games, they're all very similar like that, where the whole picture, the whole story is not really going to be given to you. And that's okay. Um, I thought that Bastion was kind of go that direction, but then a lot, I'd say like 70% of the plot is in the final like 25% of the game. Uh, so it's very bottom heavy in terms of the story. Um, I think there's like kind of a lot of filler in the middle and the beginning with what is going on. And sometimes it's a little too vague and too like tongue in cheek about the calamity, the apocalyptic event, um, the civilization that was there before. But there's a lot of really, really good world building in general um, that I think is is just really well done. You know, you explore different areas of this like kind of land that's been destroyed you're exploring floating islands, just so you guys know. So in the game, you're like kind of walking and the ground is actually forming below you. And like, you can fall off at any moment and just fall to the ground and then you kind of like respawn. But um, the narrator kind of talks about like each individual component and level that you go to is like its own little island and like what it served, what its purpose was, um, who lived there, what they did. So you see the city, you see the mines, you see the frontier. Um, you see like forests and like mountains and rivers and things like that. So all that's really cool. But in terms of the literal plot of the characters and what happens, uh, it comes very quickly. It's kind of cool, but it's, it's still a little bit unclear and it comes very, very fast at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves about this game is what, I mean, I think in general, I've identified as one of my pet peeves with games really is just when the story is so bottom heavy in the way it is here you know he the narrator rux does a good job a relatively uh, okay job i should say i think of building the world and it is interesting just to get the anecdotes about like, oh like here's where people used to you know go hang out at night and go on like dates and stuff right and things like that but the amount of you know like game that you get in that last 25 percent about why you how much it, you finally understand that is going on is a bit of a shame because I, I've the game can be enjoyed so much more when you have more context, I think. 
And when you're lacking that context in a lot of the game, it's a little bit of a bummer. And I mean, for me, honestly, the, I mean, I'm just going to get into it. Like the main, like story spoilers, but I don't know the, the culmination of the story was almost, I don't even know how to think about it. It was interesting, but also I hated it at the same time. Yeah. Because the whole calamity was basically caused by the, Keldonians, Ceylonians, excuse me, the Ceylonians, who were basically trying to commit genocide against the, what was the other? Ura, the Ura. The Ura. Who were like the earth-dwelling people, the people that lived in like the tunnels underneath the city. Yeah, literally trying to commit genocide against the Ura for the purpose of preventing wars. So to prevent war and conflict and death, they were going to kill a whole race. Yeah. Um, And that is what the purpose of the calamity was. Then obviously it spiraled into this crazy thing. Yeah. And then ultimately you're left with the choice in the game where you can either, you know, accept the world for what it is and then just kind of move on with the bastion and try and kind of rebuild. Or you can reset the world to before the calamity, before the calamity was initiated, but no one has any knowledge of like the world you're coming from or what has happened. So in all likelihood, and it's pretty much implied the calamity will happen again, but at least you somewhat have a chance that maybe it won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really leaves you in kind of a shitty state because I, I think the optimist would say, Oh, you should just accept the world for what it is and accept the terrible things that have happened and just go out and do the, you know, escape, go do escape and do whatever. But at that same point, you're 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 dooming millions of people to their death that maybe could have been avoided right mm-hmm. and then on the other side of it you know if you go ahead and do the calamity or if you do choose to you know go back in time and try and reverse the calamity in all likelihood i mean yeah you are reversing it but in all likelihood you are just gonna let it all happen again and kind of be in this endless cycle mm-hmm. and there is a new game plus mode where i believe it's pretty heavily implied that that new game plus mode is just a, the calamity that happened again Right. Yeah, that's Which, that's exactly right. Um, I don't know. I, I just had trouble getting around that. As it was just so weird to me that that was the the what the pick. It, it's unique. That was the driving it's force. Unique. Like that I'll was give it the that. thing. Yeah. Well, it's weird because it's like okay, so the story is basically a group of people that live in the sky or live above ground want to prevent the war, so they want to blow up everybody that lives below them. So the the Ura, the people below them, sabotage their super weapon to kill both civilizations at the same time. So like the, that's what the calamity is, is it's like a super weapon, like malfunctions and blows up and like spreads out the land all over the sky. And like, you're the kid and you wake up and everyone's dead and you have to like put, put the bastion back together. And the bastion is both a time machine and an escape capsule. So at the end, after you put the bastion back together, you yeah, like Matt said, you're given the choice. I do think that the presentation of that choice is really cool. Um, I actually do have a sound clip I do want to play here near the end when we talk about sound design. Um, I do think the presentation of the choice is pretty cool, but ultimately, yeah, the choice is sort of like, do you escape with the few remaining survivors that you've met along your journey, or do you go back in time and prevent from the calamity from ever occurring? Um, and... Yeah, it's sort of like I went back in time. I did that choice, but it's sort of one of those like game endings where it's a little and some games are really guilty of this. I think I may have talked about this on Bioshock before, but it's just one of those things where you just kind of make an arbitrary choice in a game and it doesn't impact anything in the game. It's just like pick ending A or pick ending B, whatever. Like it doesn't I don't think it even really affects new game plus at all. You just play new game plus like immediately after. 
Um, so it's kind of it's kind of silly in that regard because like if you had choices that maybe built up to that in sort of a Bioshock way, it could be pretty interesting. But it's just weird to have like an you just literally choose ending A versus ending B, which is just a little bit weaker way of showing like choices that you make matter. Um, it feels like you could just tack that on at any time <laughs> when the, in the game development process. But yeah. Um, well, I guess we're well past initial thoughts right now. Did you have anything <laughs> written for initial thoughts? Just said I didn't really enjoy the game till the end because I, for me, it's important that I have context of my world and mm. I didn't really get that until the end of the game. So Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess what I have here for initial thoughts is um, I, I did first play this game back in uh, 2011. It was actually released for free on the Google Chrome App Store. Um, and oh, you're actually okay. able to play it in browser, which was really cool, just with mouse and keyboard. Um, I played a few levels, never finished it, but I did have an idea of the game going in. So I knew that there was like a general style that I really liked about it, had a really cool narrator. Um, and I've played Transistor and I've played Hades, right? So I, I knew that I really am a fan of Supergiant and just the work that they do with their games. And I was like, okay, well, that's why I wanted to put Bastion on the voting for September, because I was like, okay, I want to go back to where it all began. You know, and I think one thing that's so interesting about Bastion is it's like literally an isometric action like RPG game. It's so similar mechanically to Hades, right? You have like a weapon, you, you have like two weapons, you have like special moves, you can dash, you can block. It's like, it's so similar to what you can do in that game, but it's so, and this is not the fault, this is just the game came out freaking in 2011, right? But it's so not as sharp as Hades. It feels like a primordial, like mechanically, it feels like a primordial version of Hades where all the movement's there, there's weapon loadouts, there's customizations with your gameplay, there's difficulty and rewards, there's upgrade trees. You can you actually build up your hub world in the same way that you build up your hub world in Hades, right? Mm -hmm. And you just like kind of go out into the world, do a level, be, you know, get better, get stronger. And all the pieces are there for what Supergiant is best at, but it's like, it's it's really interesting to see that this is where they started and then they got to Hades, you know, over 10, like 10 years later, basically. Um, I, I It's hard to go backwards, right? Because when you play mm -hmm. Bastion, you're like, oh, this is, even you said it, I know when you first started the game, you're like, man, this is just like mechanically like a worse version of hate worse version of hades and i was like yeah yeah well it came yeah. out 10 years ago so you can't really blame it too much it's just because they got there right um the game is just not as sharp for sure mechanically yeah that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me as well it's just kind of right from the get-go like there's kind of a dash that's weaker it doesn't even feel as good as hades and just every in every aspect from how you can have customizable weapon loadouts um it really just does feel like a discount Hades. But, <laughs> and as you said, that it, the game came out, you know, what, like nine years prior to Hades, 10 years. Yeah. Um, so we can't really fault it for that. And I, I have no doubt that had I played this game more when it came out during, you know, when it was released, it would have been much more, much, much, it would have been a much better experience of not having the context of what Hades is and how good it is. But it, it's, it's fun to play this game and to see how clearly it is, how clearly it's influenced Hades. And I'm sure any of other, any of um, super, super, super giant, super, super giants, other games as well. You know, it's the, the evolution of this to Hades is, is very clear and it's very easy to see how Hades was in part derived from this game. Totally. Uh, as far as the gameplay itself, just getting the specifics, it is very simple. 
you just really you journey across various levels and then you collect upgrades and you collect shards to um, upgrade the bastion itself um, you get a variety of weapons and these weapons do encourage different play styles however I don't think the game encouraged diff encourage experimentation necessarily. And what I mean by that is obviously it's trying to push you to a different play style because it is giving you all these options. However, I found that there was like pretty obvious weapon combinations that were just better than the others. Really overpowered, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't really feel encouraged at all to switch anything up in the game once I found one that worked for me and I got certain weapons leveled up. So the game could have done better there, you know, making more levels with very clear cut. Oh, this weapon's going to be better in this situation and things like that just could have uh, helped kept the game a little bit more fresh, I think. And for me, the game got just stale very quickly, even when I switched up my combinations of weapons, trying to make it just different or harder or whatever. And I, I found the weapons or excuse me, the weapons, the enemies to just get very stale and I, I best way I can just describe it is it just felt well, enemies felt very uninspired to me. And I was surprised how actually surprised how easy the game was. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. Cause I, I, I don't think there's a hard or an easy, it's just, it's just one mode from what I remember. And I was just pretty, pretty surprised with how much I'm, I'm bad at games. So I'm surprised with how much of a breeze I personally got through this, especially when I think back to, you know, uh, Hades. However, of course, Hades is obviously a, a, a roguelike, which is very different from what this game is. Yeah, yeah. This no, it's funny. I died once, I think, in all of the my playthrough of this game. I don't think I ever had a game official game over. Yeah, you can die, but then you can come back. You can like get a yeah. second chance in the yeah. middle, like a few times. So you can't even really. It's it's a really easy game. I mean, some of those last levels get pretty spammy, and like there's just so many enemies that you kind of just mm -hmm. revive yourself a few times. But it's by my, by no means a difficult game. And you can up the difficulty set settings in like certain customization loadouts. Like there's actually this really cool mechanic, which is kind of similar to Hades where you can add difficulty, but you get more rewards on certain levels. So I forget what they're called. I think they're called either idols or something like that in Bastion, but I think shrines or idols, something shrines like that, or idols yeah. or something. And yeah, basically you can say, okay, like the enemies are stronger, but I get more experience from them. But the thing is, is that you don't really need, unlike Hades, I know we're comparing this a lot to Hades, but you don't really need the rewards that you'll get from those idols mm -hmm. or like you, I never needed to out level. I never needed to grind or anything like that. I never said like, oh, you know what? I'll turn on this idol for a little while so I can get more XP, so I can hit the next level, so I can hit this customization. Like the, the feelings of progression were not really there. So there wasn't really an incentive to like, you know, f grind that extra like, grind with that particular idol so that you can unlock this particular weapon because mm -hmm. this level is favored with this particular weapon. It was basically a, like you can spam your way through every level by just healing and meleeing shit. Um, and then using, you know, of course using your super whenever you, it was up like, and whenever you needed to use it. So pretty straightforward stuff there um, in terms of game design. And like Matt said, you know, your basic gameplay loop, play some levels, build your hub, upgrade stuff. You know, I think my my nitpick here with game design is there's too many options too fast. Like in Hades, it's just, man, I feel bad just comparing it to Hades all day, but it is super giant versus super giant. Um, like you don't have too many things to choose from. Like you can find your loadout in a fun way, in an organic way, but like you literally would unlock a weapon in one level and like get to try it out. You might upgrade it. 
um, you might understand how to use it. And then the next level, you get another weapon. You just get like the very yeah. next ranged weapon. Like it I got, really threw them at you. Yeah, yeah, I threw them at you. There was too many. There was like a, there was like a dozen. It was like oh, okay, the bow and arrow was cool. I like the I think I like the bow and arrow. Then all of a sudden you get like a shotgun. Then you're like, okay, well, obviously I'm using the shotgun. Yeah, and you're like, okay, obviously I'm using the shotgun. And then you get like a machine gun type thing, and then you get dual pistols, and then it's like, okay, what? At what point do I just like have to pick one? And then like you eventually just get like a super overpowered cannon, where you're like, okay, this is just clearly the best weapon in the game, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So there was, there was just a lot of that kind of stuff in the game design. So I'm glad to see that Super Giant eventually did strike that balance. Um, but one thing I did want to point out too, you're talking about, you know, this came out, uh, in 2011, uh, the games in 2011 were so different from this game, right? So 2011, just a few here, we got portal two, we got Batman Arkham city, we got Skyrim, we got skyward sword, dead space two gears, three dark souls, one LA noir, modern warfare three. Uh, and then we have bastion. Right, like you had some little stuff. You had little. You had uh, Minecraft. Uh, you had Terraria, um, but you had like all these huge triple A's, right? Assassin's yeah. Creed Revelations, Homefront, Infamous Two, Little Big Planet, and here we have Bastion, which is like such a darling game that like still has a reputation to this day. I mean, people forgot about uh, <laughs> some of those that I named right here. <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd say that over over the last ten years or so. Um, L.A. Noir probably doesn't have as much staying power as Bastion. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my initial thought. Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, yeah, yeah I, won't, I won't fight you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay, moving on to... Uh, you have anything else on game design? No, I mean, yeah, all, all things considered, it's still... It's it's 2011, you know? Yeah. It, it, gets, it gets some small passes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did want to say, I forgot to mention, um, in, in our Legend of, Legend of Zelda episode uh, on Ocarina Time, I really shit on the emulator for some reason at the time, which I didn't understand, my character would just randomly move even though my stick was in a my game stick, uh, analog was in a neutral position. I have without a doubt confirmed that <laughs> my analog stick on my switch is definitely just messed up. And I just didn't notice it back, which is weird because I remember I, I, I noticed that happening when we were doing Ocarina of time and then I played Hades to test it and it was fine on Hades, but for whatever reason it was bugging out on Bastion too. So it's definitely just a problem with my stick. So I, I retract that criticism, you, but you, my you rating have for Joy -Con drift. You have joy con drift. That's right. Yeah. But I, I still hold my original, Still gonna, hold that one. About Still gonna hold that one. Still gonna hold that time. Yeah, right, fair enough. I mean, you can't do anything about it. I'm, I'm over it, so it's fine. <laughs> I, I was about to say Matt's lucky. I wasn't on that. I wasn't on that episode to fight him, but I actually was. Yeah, you were. Ocarina <laughs> 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 of Time. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to art style. Um, I have my note here. Fucking awesome. Uh, I think one thing that Supergiant is great at and has always been great at with all their games is just going with a really unique style having really cool like backgrounds and really cool set pieces in their own unique sort of cute way. Um, obviously like it's an indie game, so it's not going to have like crazy big set pieces, but with what they have and the small team that they have, I mean, these are unbelievably good. Um, you have like watercolory style, like backgrounds on the ground with like a stained glass inspired sort of 
like walkable environment that you're in and everything's just super, super slick for sure. Yeah. It, it all looked really good. Uh, what really stood out to me was just, you know, when we started playing the game, I think I texted you, I'm like, Oh, this came out in 2018, right? Yeah. And you're like, no, 2011. And I mean, that's just a testament to the gate, to the art style. You know, it's a very timeless art style. It looks very good. It looks good today as it looks, it probably looked even better in 2011. And yeah, nothing bad to say about that. I really loved the the set design. Um, I thought it looked cool. The monsters, I didn't think were like I said, I kind of felt were uninspired, but the overall set design I liked. I really loved, particularly towards the end and the ending. Um, even just in the ending credits, where they really have more like portraits kind of painted. Yeah, like cutscene, quote cutscene cut portraits. Yeah. Um, I really liked. And yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Overall, I, can't I complain agree. on this one. You know what's cool is like when you look back, like I just named all those games from 2011. I'd say about half the games I named, if you go back and like look at the screenshots from those games, you will feel like, oh man, like they just don't look as good as what I remember. You know, it happens so quick when you go for like a realism look, when you go back and like just, if you just go back and look at like Gears of War 1, it's just not as good as your, it does not look as technically good as you remember it looking, mm. you know? And it's it's just because people go for like a particular type of realism and art style when it comes to those kinds of games. But with with Bastion, they go in this unique, very colorful direction. It's a very like, yes. it's not going for this crazy realism thing. And even like the, the quote cutscenes that they have that are basically just like narration over really cool art that's made like watercolor art, basically like you can't out, you can't outgrow that. Like you can't age past that style, you know, cause they're, they're like being inspired by something that's far older than like, you know, it's stylized. It's not realism. So it's yeah, really, really cool. A great job by the team there. Again, small, small team that's able to pull off so much, which is really great. Yeah. Really, really well done. And then moving on to sound design, uh, I've only played two of their games, so I can't say for sure on Pyre and uh, Terraria or Transistor. Transistor. But, um, I got to say, ex- exceptional sound design seems to be the trademark of um, Supergiant so far, from what I can tell. What do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, they they understand something. Here, I have a theory that kind of emerged when I was playing this one. If you want your if you want your indie game to be like BAFTA, like accepted and like really like loved by like critics and like gamers alike just like make a really unique game with a really really great voice actor right because like Supergiant's really good at that where like their voice acting is really solid transistor it's kind of narrated by one singular voice as well stanley parable like literally just like sick game with like an incredible voice actor right Mm -hmm. and like it's funny how much like a low quote low but I, I I mean it's not even a quote like these are just low budget games and like small team games. A good quality voice actor is like a a totally priceless asset. Like this game would not work without Logan Cunningham uh, is the name of the voice actor. So Logan Cunningham and Darren Corb collaborate on the soundtrack for Supergiant. They're both the in house composer. They both do voice acting. In fact, um, the voice actor for um, Rux in this game in Bastion is Hades himself, Lord Hades. He, he narrates in all of the games, actually. He, yeah, he narrates. It's amazing. Like it's so, yeah. it's so awesome because it's so. There's such a wide range there. So it's like you know you're playing Rux, who's like kind of has this really raspy sort of Western style narrator, and then Lord Hades is like com- very, very different. You know. Mm-hmm. So I really, really love that. Um, 
And Supergiant just understands the value of really great sound design. Every song is incredible and contributes to the overall theme. The entire game is sort of predicated on that narrator idea. So Logan Cunningham is just doing an amazing job. Um, so I really, really loved it. And I did want to show off just live here. Um, I did queue up a sound bite. And this is coming from, I mentioned it earlier, uh, at one point in the game, at the very end, you're kind of about to be given that choice of whether you want to go bring everybody back in time to potentially stop the calamity from happening, or if you want to just sail off. And there's this really cool narration that's happening over the ending of the game. I just wanted to show everybody what's going on here. We'll just stop. Things will go back to the way they used to be. That's the power of the Bastion. This whole place is a living record of the times before the calamity. You be your old self again. Think of all those times that didn't go your way. All of life's little setbacks. Imagine if you could have another go at them. You follow me? Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. This is happening at a pretty key point in the game, you know? I, I, I don't know. I got. I don't know if you saw. I got shivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I, that I, one. Yeah, yeah, me too. When I was playing, I was like, you know, he says like, you know, Imagine if you can go back again. And it's like at one point he's not talking about like the world. He's not talking about like the calamity that occurred that like destroyed the world. He's talking about you. You know, it's like a narrator mm -hmm. talking directly to you. And it's it's cool because the narration like flips between second person and sort of third person where like he's talking to you sometimes like in that instance but sometimes he's talking about you where he says like oh the kid got up and he grabbed his hammer right and then you're going and grabbing your hammer but then in that case the reason it hits so hard is because he's like imagine if you can go back again you know and fix all your mistakes and like you know what would you do different would you hurt people would you hurt the same people would you feel you know he goes on this little monologue and it's like yeah, I, I mean, I, I got I got chills on that part, too, in the game, and um, I, I thought it was great. That's why I do like that plot point in the story, although it is, like, overall weak because you just say yes or no, you know? But, yeah, I thought that was really cool. The the overall idea of it is fun. You know, it's... I mean, I, I think... I don't know, especially, you know, as we get older, we only have more time to reflect, right? And, yeah. I mean, I know... I mean, yeah, we all reflect on things maybe we could have done differently in our personal lives, in our professional lives, whatever it may be. And then I know when I heard that line and I'm like, oh, shit, he, he's like, this isn't it. He's just talking to me now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a game yeah, now. It's um, good stuff. So it was just, it, it hit hard. And I know it's just, it, it's like a fun little just mental exercise to have that idea conceptually at least presented to you as an option, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, ultimately it culminates in a choice he has to make in the game. Um, Lucas, what did you, what did you choose to do? Uh, I went back in time. So, so did I, I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, it felt weird, like not doing that one. Now the, yeah, the implication you mentioned earlier too, is that like when you go back in time, it's kind of like a happy, nah, like it's kind of a vague ending. But then if you do new game plus it's implied that you going back in time still does not stop the effect, the calamity from happening. Like, it was always going to happen sort of thing. Um, yeah, which like is tragic, basically. Yeah, which is very tragic, kind of like it makes the game kind of overall very sad. Um, but that is not, I mean, that's a implied ending in New Game Plus. So you kind of have to find that. But um, 
Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, again, it's just you're just picking choice A or B. So I don't even feel like it really has like I don't really feel the weight of the choice mm-hmm. as a gamer. Right. It's kind of just like I could have literally picked either one, you know, and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> like I still would have the credit still would have rolled and yeah. I didn't do anything before that to to make an impact on the decision anyway. Yeah, um, there's another pretty, not really pivotal, but just kind of a choice you're presented with. It doesn't really affect the game at all either, but uh, what's the... Er, the uh, Zerl? Zura? No, that's the fucking... Zia's the girl. Oh, man. Hang on, I got it right here. Um, Ugh, man, I cannot believe I'm forgetting the character's name. I was like just looking this up earlier. Um, Zulf. Zolf, man, I was close. Zolf yeah, of the so Yeah. There's a point in, in the culmination of the game, the final level, you're basically tasked to go, you know, Zolf, who is one of the survivors that you found, is actually a uh, former Ura. He is. Or Ura. is Ura, not former. Yeah. He is Ura. That's just the race. And he steals the crystals basically in revenge that you've been collecting for the Bastion. You have to go back to the Ura hideout. And then, you know, you. you on your way to get Zulf and get, you know, get the crystals back, you basically just slaughter a bunch of Ura. And out of frustration for Zulf having brought you into their home, basically, and have slaughtering, getting all your, you know, your people slaughtered, you turn on Zulf. And um, you have the option, actually, where you can either save him and rescue him and or just leave him to die. Mm-hmm. And we can talk a little bit here in a second about yeah. what happens if you do each choice. But what did you pick, Lucas? I saved him. I left him to die. Uh, okay, okay. So what happened with your thing? Uh, I left him to die, and then I massacred the rest of the <laughs> the the Ura there on my way out, and um, that was it. And then I know on your end, if you save them, they start attacking you initially, but then they recognize this is fine, and they just let you leave with him as you escape the, the Ura home base. But I don't know. I... Uh, you only make guy. You, you only make two choices in the game that like are relevant to the plot, but they don't affect each other for one. And they both come right at the both, end, too, and they which both is come odd. right at the end, and they make no difference to like the way anything like plays. Yeah, I mean, like exactly. It's just like a weird. It's just this weird zone. It's like it, it's like the Bioshock thing. How no matter if you save the the uh, little sisters or don't save them, you still get like you get more Adam for saving them, like or you get the same amount or a little bit more plus rewards. So like the choice you get a little not, bit less, but then you get rewards. Yeah. yeah so it, like makes up for it. it's just like this weird hollow choice where it's like you're not actually having any sort of like detriment to the plot or the story or the mechanics. Like literally you you just escape with your life in either way, in either case. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you do save Zolf, um, yeah, you put him on your back and you walk and they it's kind of cool. You get like this cool moment where they shoot at you and then they realize and then they stop because they realize that you're actually trying to save Zolf. But uh, I didn't really realize what was going on. I was like, oh, why'd they stop shooting me? And then all of a sudden I move on and then I'm in the bastion and then I, I'm, tro- I'm choosing if I am going back in time or taking off. So, yeah, I've been trying to be the bad guy more in games. I usually always pick like the good moral <laughs> choices. So I was like, all right, this guy dies. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting that that was even an option, to be honest, too. But yeah, an, an interesting game that kind of falls into the trap of giving you choices that don't really matter but yeah yeah for sure you know, a lot we of games that do a that yeah. and um 
you know, it's, uh, it's hard to, uh, you know, one game we, we ought to do for the podcast at some point, um, Detroit become human. Oh yeah. You love that one, huh? That's got some real choice. I liked it a lot. And from maybe it's the way I remember it, at least there, there's just a lot of branching story, like exceptional amount of branching storylines in that one. So I think that'd be a fun one to go back and do, but we are going to be doing the Corey in a, Oh yes. As an extra bonus episode, which is a, you know, a spiritual successor to until dawn. So everyone can look forward to that one. But wait, is there any celebs in that one? Oh, I don't even know the cast right now, to be honest, off the top of my head. Because <laughs> Until Dawn had a had some two pretty big, pretty big stars for the time. Or Remy yeah. Malik is still huge, so yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I did want to before we leave uh sound design here, you know, I did want to mention that just the songs themselves are really fantastic. Um the musical style of the soundtrack has been described by the composer Corb as acoustic frontier trip hop. Um, and he said it was intended to evoke both uh, the American frontier, so there's that kind of Western setting, and exotic fantasy worlds. Uh, the song songs combine heavily sampled beats in layers, along with acoustic elements, and there was over 3,000 lines of narration by Logan Cunningham. Yes. Lucas, real quick, uh, I just recalled, there's one more thing I wanted to kind of ask you about the story. Oh, yeah. What's up? How, what did you think of how they presented Rux and his morality? Because yes. he was very heavily on the side of reset the fucking Bastion, fuck Zulf, leave him to die. Yeah, yeah, I, he was. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like there wasn't enough development on either side for me to make a call. Um, I just mm. wanted to be a good guy in the game and like save Zulf. But like whatever Rux was saying, I was like, okay, well, I guess they're trying to do like the unreliable narrator or like shitty narrator kind of thing where he's like sort of not a good guy but there just yeah. was no good there was no like it didn't feel like there was good guys or bad guys in this game is what I, is the best thing i can say because like i didn't see that the uro were bad and i didn't know enough about this about ceylon well i felt like we were bad. the bad guy because we this only happened because we tried to massacre them yeah yeah <laughs> i guess i guess that's true but like it's yeah i mean i guess uh, i didn't feel that the story was entirely clear on that until afterwards when i read more up on it like i because the story was so bottom heavy, I guess it just felt like a rushed, like, Oh wait, we're the bad guys. Okay. I guess. And it's like, but these guys are trying to kill me. And like, they kind of look like bad guys. I don't know. It just, it it didn't hit, it didn't hit me as hard that I was the bad guy. And when, when you do the, we're the bad guy twist in video games, it doesn't really work because you're still kill. You still have to kill the bad guy. Like there's, you still kill the bad guys and therefore feel like the good guy. It's, it's weird. It's like a video games have that issue with morality. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was really odd that they were pushing his narrative so mu- or his narrative so strongly was was that of like fuck the fuck Zolf, fuck the era, let's reset the shit. Maybe yeah. it won't go bust. Yeah. yeah. All right. All righty. Um, Lucas, NPC award. I mean, I gotta go with Rux. I can't really go with it. I, I'm sure you got a crazy cool one, but I'll just go with the the basic pick here and go with Rux, the narrator and character in the game. I went with Zia, actually. Okay, so two two individuals. Like, they're kind of... I mean, they're, two, I mean, they're really two companions. Only two of the three other really NP- NPCs that are really you interact with. But no, I just... 
I don't know. I, I kind of got fed up with Zulf and Rux. They were just kind of like, so I'm like, bro, get your head out of your ass, man. Just, yeah. <laughs> just like chill. And I kind of like Zia. She was like, just kind of playing her harp, just vibing and chilling. And uh, we need more of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of NPCs here. It's one of those games. Yeah. It's kind of hard to pick one. Um, but okay. Uh, moving on to companion piece pick. What you got? I got the movie The Road. Ooh, wait, is that the one about the Nazis? No. Okay, dang it. <laughs> it is a 2009 <laughs> post-apocalyptic movie. Uh came out, yeah, September, September 3rd, 2009, starring uh, Vigo Bordensen as the man and Cody Schmidt-McPhee, Schmidt-McPhee as the boy. Uh, basically like a post-apocalyptic world where a father... Um, or actually, yeah, a man and his yeah, a man and his young son are just really struggling to survive like what looks like an extinction level event on the world, and they're trying just to get to the coast where they hope it's going to be warmer, and it just documents their journey to get there and you know survive this crazy post apocalyptic world. And I was trying to project. I saw this movie a very long time ago, and I liked it a lot. I remember, but I was just you know like, well, I guess the boy is me or us, mm-hmm. the, the small character here, and then we'll just call it the dad rocks. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Love it. No, great pick. I've heard of that movie. I don't know what movie I was thinking of when I said the Nazi movie. I think there's another one that has the road in it. Maybe Hot Mickey can can look that one up. But all right. Uh, I, I have been pick, actually looking up was it, uh, the query actors you guys were asking about. Uh, oh, yeah. Who we got? You got Sam Raimi's brother, Ted Raimi. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Brenda that. Song. And just what? And, she's in it. Yeah, she's in it. And then Justice Smith. Those are the Wait. main ones I recognize. Oh, Wait. just he was in the Pokemon movie, right? I think so. I think Who Justice was, was the Pokemon uh, movie one. Are there two yes. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody stars in two of the games that we mentioned? Because <laughs> the because until Dawn until Dawn had Hayden Panettiere. Wait, no, my bad. She I'm was using Hayden Panettiere with um, Ashley Tisdale. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Dang, Brenda Song. Oh, they got Ethan Suplee and Skylar Gisondo too. I don't know Sky- those. I don't know Skylar Gisondo is actually in Skylar. Psych. He was in Licorice Pizza. He's also in Psych. Oh, okay. Oh, have okay, you seen okay. that show? I have seen Psych. I love that show. He, he's a little Sean. Oh, he is. Okay, okay, gosh. Oh, he's the guy in Licorice Pizza. That makes sense. And then uh, Ethan uh, Ethan Suplee was. Uh, Did you ever watch My Name Is Earl? I loved My Name is Earl. I've played seen like Randy. two episodes of that. Oh, he's in this game? I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that'll be a fun wait. one when we when we play that one. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, oh, and Wolf of Wall Street. He played like the balding big guy, which there were a lot of in that movie. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So my companion's piece, companion piece pick here is uh, the 2012 album by Flying Lotus, Until the Quiet Comes. So Darren Korb, like I mentioned, he describes uh, Bastion as like an acoustic frontier trip hop, a lot of sampling, a lot of cool beats and stuff like that. And this particular album is actually within that sort of trip hop genre, sort of like hip hop, you know, instrumental hip hop with a little bit more like idea driven, strange sample, strange sampling, um, strange melodies and stuff like that. Uh, I guess exactly what it sounds like, just a trippier version of hip hop. Um, album was really big for me when I was in high school around the time that this game actually came out. Bastion came out in 2011. This album was a 2012 album. 
Um, and that genre and flying Lotus in general is really worth exploring for anybody that that's into the music that you might've heard in bastion. Um, so that's why it's my companion piece pick. Love it. All righty. Moving on to favorite moment. I'll go, uh, so really just the final flight with the Ura was fun because you're just like turned into basically this insanely overpowered guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You get <laughs> like this a giant ring gun. ram. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of like mindless, mindless fun there. Uh, yeah. What about you, Lucas? Uh, the mo- My favorite moment was the monologue that I played earlier in the episode. Just like mm, kind of the, yeah. the Rux talking about going back in time and like doing life a little bit differently. Um, that, that just really hit uh, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Hit, yeah, hit very much. Alrighty, uh, nitpicks. We already really dug into it quite a bit. This one, but summary. Yeah, uh, really. I mean, the story is just way overloaded at the way too heavy at the end, which is just a, a big red flag for me in games. But overall, uh, the biggest thing is just the game really shows its age, and I don't want to hold it too much against that or hold that too much against it. But that is definitely a factor to consider. Yeah, for sure. Um, my nitpick is more just on like the progression system that they have in there. I just I just don't think it was finely tuned enough. There was a lot of customization options that just never really need to get picked in the game. Um, there was a lot of like really interesting ideas that were there that just the gamer doesn't really have to implement because mm-hmm. the game's easy. Um, you know, doing the, like, I didn't do any idol stuff or shrine stuff. I barely upgraded the weapons. I only upgraded like one or two weapons because they were the ones that I really liked. Um, so all of those problems are solved in other games that have come out since. And, uh, I just think this, this game just didn't have it quite yet for sure. Yep. Agreed. Cool. All righty. Um, final, well, would you play other games in this developer? Yes. I mean, the answer is absolutely <laughs> yes. Um, Easy you know, yes from both of us. Yeah. 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 In fact, I want to play Pyre when we get a chance. I've heard that game is pretty interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Transistor is, well, Hot Mickey, have you played any of those Supergiant games? You played Hades at the very least, right? I have not played Hades either. Really? Wow. You haven't played Transistor? Uh, no. You really enjoy Hades. I, I'm not, me. I don't delve much into like, a lot of video games i just play a few a ton a ton because yeah. i'm a grinder would, i'm a grinder you would enjoy you would enjoy hades a lot hades is i've amazing. been told i, I have it it's, it's sitting in my little pikachu switch game box and i just ha- <laughs> i just haven't yeah. played it <laughs> it's great on switch for sure because like i mean it, you just it's a it's a roguelike so you just do a run get as far as you can like five minutes ten minutes and then like you just put your switch down yeah it's, I, it's I've really, heard, really i've good. heard i'd like that i'd like slay the spire is another similar one like oh that. yeah yeah i've heard good stuff about that too yeah Love it. so Alrighty. anyway a lot of good stuff so final conclusive thoughts lucas uh no just i think everything is covered you know it's it's a relatively short game everybody you know it's it's 11 hours basically uh and i think it's it's really worth playing if you want to kind of go back and find a really fun indie um there have been better indies kind of in a very similar style that have come out since then um but you know it's it's definitely if nothing a really great artifact of of super giant and sort of where we were in 2011 as far as indie gaming goes Yep, love it. And yeah, uh, gets my Segoy of approval, even though it does have certain nitpicks, definitely still um, a good game and worth playing, if nothing else, just to see the influence it had on Hades. So. Yeah, absolutely. All okay. right, rating time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mickey, you know what? You want to count us down on this one since uh, since you're here? I, I will count you down. I also have a All guess right. what from 
what I've heard from you two, I have a guess what you guys did, but I'll say what my guess is after you guys announce. Okay, okay. I like that. I like that. All right. All right. So go ahead and count us down. All right. Three, two, one. Eight. Seven. I was, oh, I, wow. I was I spot on. <laughs> really? Really? I, nice. I guess eight for Lucas, seven for Matt. <laughs> nice, nice. Matt seems okay. a little less forgiving with things that are like aged well so like <laughs> <laughs> really good really good critique there i think we've, that, I think we've uh, kind of known that i think that's been a uh, a regular occurrence on the pod i can just see dragoon in the discord right now of course shaking his head yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay that gives it the 15 so yeah uh, oh man yeah well, you know what it is that... more from it than anything for me is the stories what holds it back for me and that's yeah. not an age thing that's just a pacing thing yeah i would say the pace of the story is is rough but the world building is still a consistency like it's still consistent throughout like every level has a little bit of world building in it if you're interested in what's going on but but yeah i mean i I, i'm in a full agreement with matt i just i give it the eight um i think everything i said really i think the sound design is just world class even now uh it'll probably be world class for 50 years you know and it's like Mm -hmm. it's worth studying like hey look at what a small team of creators with like a really cool idea can do with just like some kind, not even have to be the sharpest gameplay, but just good enough, good gameplay and an incredible idea with this narrator. I think it's just yeah. one of the more unique gaming, gaming experiences for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, that wraps us up today. Uh, everyone, as a reminder, you can always find us uh, at TFP Podcast. That's at TFP Podcast with the S at the end on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to hang out with your good buddy Matt, you can find me on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. And of course, as always, don't forget to join the Discord coming out with us. Uh, it's a good time. Lucas, where can we find you? You could find me on the Discord. Uh, feel free to join. Shoot me a DM. Talk to me about whatever. Wrath of the Lich King, World of Warcraft, Magic, The Wire. Been watching The Wire lately. Um, or feel free to follow me on Instagram at Good Idea Lucas. Mickey. Love it. Well, well Mickey, let's give him the plug. Where uh, can we find you online? You can find me, I'm primarily on Twitter and Discord. Twitter, you can find me at Teals. That's the color Teal with the Z at the end, underscore BCB. And then on Discord, you can just find me in the TFP Discord. So come in there. I chat a lot in there. I break a lot of news stories that I find. And we love it. We appreciate it. it. All right. All righty, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibbity bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 